Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Jesus Judges Fruitlessness, preached on December 17th, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21, 18 through 22. Remember the fig tree, the miracle Jesus performed in cursing the fig tree. This miracle, I agree with Dr. Hermann Ritterboss and others, that it is a prophetic symbolism of divine judgment against fruitlessness of God's people. In the teaching of the vine and the branches in John 15, Jesus said, Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned up. John the Baptist said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He warned the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, of all the miracles that Jesus performed, this cursing of the victory is the only miracle of total judgment. All other miracles demonstrate the love of Jesus. But this one shows Jesus is also the God-appointed judge. This judgment is specifically the judgment of the religious hypocrites who profess faith in God but refuse to do the will of God. Today we need to examine as the year comes to an end whether any one of us fall into this category. If so, we need to repent and produce fruit of holiness, which God demands of us. First, remember the coming of Jesus to the fig tree seeking fruit. Adam and Eve sowed themselves coverings from the leaves of the fig trees after they had sinned. And possibly they were also hiding among the fig trees when God called them. Adam, where art thou? The fig tree provides shade and to sit under one's own fig tree is a symbol of peace and great prosperity. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 8 tells us that this tree is characteristic of Palestine, a land of wheat and barley, 
vines and fig trees. Jesus in his omniscience, remember, saw Nathaniel while he was still under the fig tree before Philip called him. The botanical name for the fig tree is Ficus carica. A healthy fig tree bears fruit for about 10 months. There are three crops. The major crop, of course, is in the autumn, August till winter. Then, of course, there are green figs concerning which we read in Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 13. These green figs are produced during the winter. And they spend the winter on the branches and grow ruddy at the first sign of spring. And they remain small and are easily blown away by wind. Then, of course, thirdly, there is the first ripe figs. We read about that in Hosea 9, verse 10. Those that are not fallen off during the winter and spring stay on the tree and ripen in summer from June on. These are much sought after, most delicious and flavorful. And God speaks about Israel in this way. When I saw your fathers, it was like seeing early fruit on the fig tree, most delicious and most flavorful. But Hosea 9 verse 16 tells us, Ephraim is blighted, their root is withered, they yield no fruit. Generally, fruit appears on the fig tree before leaves appear. But when a tree is full of leaves, it means the tree has fruits. Normally, a fig tree has full leaves in June. Passover was about April 15th. So Jesus on Sunday entered into the city. And then he went back to Bethany. And on Monday, he was going back to Jerusalem. Probably he stayed, as Luke tells us in Luke 21, 37 and 38, on the open hill of the Mount of Olives. He did not go into any house. And so he got up very early. And he was poor. He didn't eat anything. He prayed. And now he, on Monday, walks two miles with his disciples to go into the temple, to cleanse the temple. And he was very hungry. He had no breakfast. So he hungered. Here we see Jesus in his human nature. He hungered. He was tired. He was distressed. He was weary. He slept. He wept, the Bible says. Then he saw something amazing. 
one fig tree on the roadside. What is amazing about this tree was this tree was full of leaves, even though it was only 15th of April. Other fig trees did not have full leaves, but this was full of leaves, even though it was not June, the season of early figs. The tree was advertising with its full leaves that it had fruits. When a fig tree is full of leaves, normally it also has fruits. Jesus was therefore attracted by this tree with its full leaves. Therefore, the hungry Jesus went to the tree in search of some fruit so he can eat. This fig tree that is full of leaves symbolizes religious people, whether Israel or the church. The leaves symbolize religious profession, confession of faith in the true God, baptism, joining the church, worship on a regular basis, prayer, witnessing to others about the true God, Bible study, testimonies, giving to the cause of religion, conducting family prayer, and so on. The leaves symbolize every outward religious act of piety. When we make such claims, God has a right to expect fruit from us. Israel claimed to be God's people. They worshipped in the temple. They were sacrificing 250,000 animals for this Passover. The priests were dressed in priestly vestments. Prayers were offered. Rituals were observed. Pharisees were judging everybody even though they had beams in their eyes. When they gave to the needy, they would announce with trumpets in the synagogues so that they will be seen by others as generous people. They loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. They would pray long prayers, of course, to be seen of men. This is what politicians do, perception management. When they fasted, they disfigured their faces to show men how they are fasting. They were false prophets. They appeared to be sheep, but inwardly, Jesus said, they were ferocious wolves. They pretended to be good trees, but they were bad trees. They piously say, Lord, Lord, but they are workers of iniquity. They pray like the Pharisee in the temple. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, murderers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. They are described further by Jesus in Matthew 
23. Let's turn to it. And verse 3. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. For they do not practice what they preach. And verse 5. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. The whole chapter of Matthew 23 is speaking about leaves symbolizing Externalism of Israel. Whitewashed sepulchers. Inside rotting bodies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 17. We read this. In the following directives I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. Paul says to the church. That it is better that you don't go to church. Secondly, remember what Jesus found on this fig tree. No fruit did he find. Jesus is hungry and in search of fruit. Full leaves, promised fruit. So he comes to the tree to find fruit. He found none. He did not even find touch. T-A-K-S-H. Some knobs. Some swellings. On the branch. Which show. That it is fertile tree. This tree. Though full of leaves. Already in April. It was totally. Barren. Complete externalism. In other words. No internal integrity. Fruit tree is to produce fruit. If it does not produce fruit, it is useless and worthless to the owner. Luke speaks about a fig tree in Luke 13, 6 through 9. The owner went looking for fruit on this tree. Year after year after year. He went looking for fruit for three years. The tree was using up the soil... It was living for itself, producing leaves, but not for the owner. For three years it produced no fruit for the owner. So he came to the tree and told his servant to cut it down. Fruitlessness means uselessness to God. Uselessness to God means immediate judgment. All people are to live for the glory of God. Especially those who make religious claims. Like a fig tree, our fruit must come before our leaves. We are to bring forth fruit of the Spirit. Before we even make professions of faith. We receive people into the church... On the basis of fruit that is evident already in the life of Christians. 
The fruit is nothing other than Christ-likeness. This is the eternal purpose of God. To be conformed to the image of his son. He demands fruit of repentance. He demands fruit of the fear of God. He demands fruit of obedience to God from the heart. He demands fruit of delighting in knowing God's word. He demands fruit of delight in communion with him in prayer. He demands fruit of loving God and fellow men. Fruit of serving God and fellow men in great delight. He demands fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. Fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Controlling our passions and desires for various things. Not the work of the flesh, he demands, which are sexual immorality, impurity, hatred, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, factions, envy, fits of rage, and so on. Fruit of good works, he demands of us, because he recreated us for that specific purpose. But the truth is, even evangelical, Bible-believing professors and teachers are teaching that we as Christians need not bear any fruit. I want to read to you from a book, Kite A. Matheson, M-A-T-H-I-S-O-N. The title is Dispensationalism, Rightly Dividing the People of God. Presbyterian and Reform Publishing, 1995. Let me read to you what some of the evangelical leaders are teaching. It will shock you. There are books written that you can buy and read and see whether this is so. Zane Hodges, his book, Absolutely Free, and Charles Ryrie, his book, So Great Salvation. Let me read to you what he says about repentance. Their Hodges, that is in this book, Absolutely Free, argues that repentance has absolutely nothing to do with salvation and should therefore never be included in the gospel message. And Charles Ryrie says this. He contends that repentance is not a part of conversion, but simply a change of mind about something. It is not meant to be a part of the gospel message. Let's see what they say about faith. Faith is simply belief in the truthfulness of certain facts. It only occurs at a single moment in time. In other words, you don't have to continue to believe. You can, in fact, be an atheist after believing in the truthfulness of certain facts in the first time. Then he says, it is solely a work of man, not a gift of God. 
absolutely free by Zain Hodge. What about the object of faith? The object of faith is the collection of facts of the gospel message, not the person of Jesus Christ. What about the effects of faith? The only necessary effect of faith is salvation from the eternal penalty of sin. A life of continued growth in grace and salvation from the power of sin are not necessary effects of faith. Let's see what they say about Christ's lordship. There should be absolutely no aspect of submission to the lordship of Christ in the gospel message. Now, Ryrie says, a person can accept Jesus as Savior without acknowledging him as the Lord of one's life and without being willing to allow him control over one's life. What about assurance of salvation? Absolutely free by Zane Hodges says, Hodges argues that when a person believes, that person has assurance of life eternal and a continuous lack of fruit in a believer's life should never cause him to question his salvation. That is not the teaching of liberals who do not believe in the Bible. This is the teaching of Bible-believing people. There are two roads to hell, somebody said. One is orthodoxy and the other is heterodoxy. Orthodoxy means, of course, you can really believe in reformed faith intellectually and go to hell. But what I just read to you from this book is not biblical position at all. Let me tell you today, Jesus is coming to us The question is, will he find fruit in us? Will he find sure evidences of spirits work in us? Will he be delighted with us? Pleased with us? Will he see us as light shining in the midst of darkness? Will he find us living the gospel life? He is not only the savior, but he is also the judge. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. Remember what Jesus did to the fig tree. Jesus was hungry, but Jesus did not curse this tree because he was hungry. This is a miracle of judgment, and every miracle is significant, particularly this miracle. On the last week of his life, Jesus was hungry before. After 40 days of fast, he was hungry And he was tempted to use his messianic power to turn stones into bread. But he did not. Because he knows that man lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He obeyed his father. He was angry when he was in Samaria seeking the Samaritan woman. He was tired and he was hungry. 
but he ministered to the woman the water of eternal salvation. Disciples urged him to eat something, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know anything about. Then he said, my food is to do the will of God who sent me and to finish his work. So also, Jesus was doing the work which God wanted him to do in the cursing of this fig tree. Jesus did not curse the fig tree, saying, may you never bear fruit again because he was hungry. He judged the tree for its fruitlessness as a symbol of God's judgment upon unfruitful Israel and all people of God who live a life of hypocrisy. This judgment upon this fruitless tree, which claimed to have fruits by its leaves, is, was judgment especially upon Israel. The people of Jerusalem carried on their externalism in their scrupulous observance of religion. Yet we know the temple has become the den of thieves and not the house of prayer for all nations. They claim to be students of scripture and yet they fail to understand it. They annulled the word of God by their own foolish traditions. Scripture spoke of a Messiah, even Jesus Christ. But the religious leaders even then were plotting how to kill the meaning of scripture, even Jesus Christ who was in their midst. Leaves of ritualism. And yet total lack of faith in God or in his word. So after cursing the fig tree, he goes to Jerusalem on Monday and cleansed the temple and declared certain things. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 43 and on. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you, God's visitation to save them. Let's turn to Luke 21 and verse 6. You see the disciples were impressed by this magnificent temple. But Jesus said, In verse 6, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. And in verse 20 and following, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city, for this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And you read the same thing in Matthew 23 and verse 37 and so on. 
In the parable of the fig tree in Luke 13, 6 through 9, there was a delay in judgment. Remember that. One more year of grace was granted by the owner to dig around it, fertilize it, to see whether it will produce fruit. No such delay is here. The time of judgment has come. The Savior Jesus here becomes the judge. He cursed the fig tree and it withered from the root right away. Profession without practice, form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, ever learning but never coming to acknowledge the truth, worshiping with the lips, not with the heart, hearing they hear and yet will not repent and believe. And then there comes a time of judgment of such hypocrisy. The owner has a right to expect from us fruit of obedience. He has come to see our fruit. Will he find us as a fruitless and worthless tree? Will he find us using up his resources for our own glory and not the glory of God? In Matthew 21, verse 43, we find a key to this cursing of the fig tree. It says this, therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. There is always people out there who are eternally chosen. God will call them effectually and they will walk in his ways. The rejected stone, Jesus, will fall on them and they will be pulverized, we are told here. That is exactly what happened to the chosen nation Israel. Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70. The same thing happened to the church down through the ages. God has removed the candlestick of church from various parts of the world. And this will happen not only to churches, but also to individual believers. Those who live a life of hypocrisy will soon wither. It is like the soil number three. They are interested in pleasures, in desires of other things, deceitfulness of riches, and they are choked. And you could see them withering even in a dynamic church. And soon they will exit. And so let's turn to the book of Revelation where the Lord of the church is speaking to the churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Chapter 2, verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And then he tells them to repent. And you see that again and again and again. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove the candlestick. Let's turn to third chapter to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. See this reputation idea, this perception management. 
This doing religious things in order to be seen by others. But in our personal life when we are alone, we do our own thing. When the doors are closed, we do our own thing. But when we are in society, we want to appear to be very pious. You see, Church of Sardis maintained a pretty good reputation. What was the reputation? I'm alive. I'm dynamic. I love God. I pray and I fast. I do all these things. You must know that. But you see, the one whose eyes are like flaming fire looked at the church and says what? You are dead. So he says, remember therefore what you have received and heard, obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. You will not know at what time I will come to you. The threat in all these churches, except one. There's a threat. May God help us from perception management, from hypocrisy, from keeping up with our reputation. The Lord of the church is walking among us. His eyes are like flaming fire. He knows. He knows who we are in our thoughts, in our imagination. What we do when we are alone. May we all repent today and live bearing fruit for God's glory. May we abide in Christ to bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. For the glory of God the Father. But let's listen to what he says. In Matthew chapter 7. And that will sober us. In Matthew 7. Beginning with verse 18. A good tree. Cannot. Mark that. A good tree cannot. It's an impossibility. Cannot bear bad fruit. And then he says. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It's an impossibility. What does this teach us? It teaches us if you are an elect of God, then God has effectually called you through regeneration that you will repent of your sins and you will trust in Jesus Christ and you will persevere And you will bring forth fruit. No person who is chosen by God will bear bad fruit. Every person chosen and called by God will bear good fruit. And this means we need to examine ourselves and see whether we are that good tree. And verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Look at uh, Joseph. He didn't have a church or anything. He was in Egypt. But he was not a hypocrite. He was... Mrs. Potiphar was trying to seduce constantly. But you see, he said, how can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? This is life of integrity. A life 
in which we see God always. Even when we are in our room and the door is locked, we understand I live before God. His eyes are like flaming fire. He sees me. And therefore I will do what is pleasing in his sight. And therefore I will not do what is not pleasing in his sight. Look at Daniel in Babylon and his friends. They lived there in the same way. Practicing the presence of God. They lived in the very sight of God and refused to disobey the word of God. Above all, look at Jesus Christ. The Bible says he did always please God. He did always that which was pleasing in his sight. All hypocrites, I said, in due course shall wither from the root Remember Mrs. Lot. She was religious all her life. But there came a time she was revealed as a hypocrite and became a pillar of salt. Judged by God. Let's understand one thing. We all are cursed. Become cursed from the mother's womb. Isn't that true? We all are to be damned and judged and sent to hell. But the gospel says Jesus came to take our curse upon him. That's what he did. So let's also, while we look at this fig tree, let's also look at the cross. What is Christ doing? He died on the cross having taken our curse upon him. In order that God's blessings may come upon us through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Why should we not then trust in him and live a life of integrity, sincerity? We are asked to worship God in spirit and in truth. It is my prayer that God will not judge us today as he judged the fig tree. And it is my prayer that he will give us another year of mercy and grace so that we will repent. We will forsake game play hypocrisy, perception management, using up God's resources for our own glory to produce more leaves, but not for God a fruit. So this is a warning for us, including myself, including all the leaders, because they are also susceptible to hypocrisy. And so I counsel you to go home and have a little meeting and examine yourself and see whether we are honest, we are sincere, 
we are authentic. We are good trees. Hallelujah. And it is my prayer that God's Spirit will help us to discover and discard all hypocrisy. Heavenly Father, we must confess that we cannot even examine ourselves. We need your assistance, O Holy Spirit. Assist us that we may plumb the depth of our being to see whether we play games before you. One day we have to stand before you. You will judge us according to truth. So, God, we pray that you help us in our self-examination. We may change our ways. Help us to consider our ways and help us to demonstrate that repentance through our true piety. Out of his fullness, we receive grace after grace after grace. We thank you, God, for Jesus Christ. Help us to be that good tree that produces good fruit for the glory of our God. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.